My name is Rex. Captain. 501st Clone Battalion. I fought with Commander Tano during the Clone Wars. And a friend of hers is a friend of mine. Masters and Padawans to episode 137 of Full of Sith. I am the Mike Pilot with my co-host, Amy Ratcliffe, Brian Young, and we're here to do a show tonight. You guys are at home. These aren't like traveling, gallivandering around the world, right? Uh, not at the moment. Amy? Same. Not, not again until Monday. How does it feel to be at home amongst your peoples and things? Well, for me, it's just like coming home to my stitched doll on my bed, but I'm pretty happy about it. It's nice. I'm done traveling for a while. I don't want to go anywhere for anything. Um, I'm at home and I'm comfortable and I'm literally just sitting at my desk in my pajamas right now. That's awesome. That's really awesome. I'd be in my pajamas too, but we're going to go out to the Halloween parade tonight. I've got to go out later tonight too, but... I don't. I'm so excited. Yeah. I just had to get that out. I said to Anya, she had a sleepover real quick. She had a sleepover last night and then we went to a corn maze today. My back's been bothering me, and I said, you know, we're both really tired. Why don't we stay in the night, get in our PJs? And she said, well, I'm really into Halloween parades, so that's what we'll do. Oh, well. So anyway, we have a show tonight, and we're doing things. We're going to be talking about Star Wars like Rebels came back this week. Now, you guys got to see it beforehand up at New York Comic Con. Is that correct? We did get to see Rebels at New York Comic Con. Actually, Amy saw it before then. And New York Comic Con is still kind of the gift that keeps on giving because after we're done with our conversations, you'll be able to listen to that, uh, the podcasting panel from New York Comic Con. Yeah. That we were all on, yes. Are we adding it to this show? Oh, was that, that was what we talked about in the Facebook group? Yeah, I'm just making okay. sure. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. And that's going to be there, oh, too. Confused. You sounded surprised. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't drop <laughs> this on now. I was trying to sell it, Brian. Like, oh, my God, really? We're going to listen to it? Oh, my God. Oh, I thought I thought you were like, never mind. I was trying to be- I was trying to show the magic of podcasting, Brian. It's going to be a weird show. Tonight. It is going to be a weird show. I'm not editing uh, any of it out. Just how it is. But we're going to talk about some other things. Awesome. And what are those things, Brian, that we are going to also discuss? Uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about Rebels. We're going to talk about uh, maybe tickets and how that's going to go. Because as you're listening to this episode, you're probably sitting there refreshing your, your, your screens, hoping for ticket sales to happen. And uh, we'll talk about Shattered Empire as well. Well, you're going to talk about me and you're going to listen. Oh, it's so good. That's what I hear. One thing before we get started that I do want to touch base with, because we really haven't been able to talk about this on the show yet. I did release the uh, Full of Sith t-shirts two weeks ago. So I put them up on the website. I put up a tweet, maybe a Facebook post. And uh, quite a few people have bought some t-shirts already, but they're there. They're on our site. If you want to go to fullofsith.com and uh, it should still be on the main page. But if it's not, you can hit news and uh, events or news and whatever. And right there will be a link, and I'll take it to our store, and you can buy a brand new, newly designed Full of Sith logo t-shirt, and then you can wear it out when you go to see Force Awakens, and, you know, just show your, your, um, I don't know, what's the word? Enthusiasm. Yeah. Your Your support. Your support and enthusiasm for Full of Sith. So it's there. Get some, please. Thank you. 
we um why don't we just get right into it and talk about some rebels amy i am on board to talk about rebels let's do that right off the bat you, you guys got to see it up in new york you knew what was going on you didn't spoil me with anything so i'm very thankful about that and i want to hear what your first take was well i um uh... We actually saw two episodes, so we could still have the potential to spoil stuff for you. Well, don't spoil the second episode, Brian. Um, well, you already know the big thing from the second episode. You saw the tease for the uh, AT-ATs. Yeah, I texted you. Oh, my God. Um, so this first new episode of Rebels for the season after the movie, uh, The Siege of Lethal, it was an episode called The Lost Commanders, and it brought uh, Captain Rex, Gregor, and Commander Wolf back to the fold which i was very excited about but it did it in a very interesting way um and basically i wanted to nerd out about jaws the whole time because of them using zeb as bait well no i mean the whole thing aesthetically was very much jaws um you have their walker that looks very much like the orca from jaws right and each of the clones sort of take on an aspect of quint right one of them's gruff but capable. One of them's a little crazy. One of them's very suspicious of everybody. And they have a hard time opening up. And they're all sort of different aspects of Quint, who's the captain in Jaws. And then, not just that they're using Zeb as bait, but like they kind of combine Zeb with Chief Brody and the chum. Yeah, And that's, that's like one of my favorite moments yeah. in Jaws, is him chumming and the idea that they're using zeb as their bait is hilarious to me we're gonna need a bigger boat yeah um but and and the way the uh the laser beam worked and how they set that up was very much the same way that the fishing line worked in yeah jaws um and instead they were like ladling water on it and cooling it and and uh they had to put barrels in the thing and, and it, it's just how they had Sabine working on it was really cool. And Amy, what, what were your first takes on it? I really liked seeing the clones back clearly because they, after the clone wars, the biggest questions we had or some of the biggest questions were what happened to Ahsoka? What happened to Captain Rex? And now we have something of an answer. You know, we at least know they're still alive at this point, but what I thought was especially cool was the stuff the clones kind of hinted at about the time I'm gone. When, they first encountered Kanan and Ezra. I think it was Rex, or maybe it was Wolf that mentioned, like, you know, these aren't the Jedi who betrayed us. So that they would have the attitude that the Jedi betrayed them and not the other way around was interesting. And I also thought it was really interesting that at one point Rex in, uh, referenced the list of bases that I'm going to tell you about the bases I didn't tell the Empire about, which implies to me that he's worked with the Empire. And I'm really curious that if they didn't execute Order 66 like they were supposed to, why the Empire didn't just kill them. So I think it set up a lot of interesting questions for me about what they've been up to. And I love essentially overtired dudes with an RV fishing. You know, the, uh, I think that's charming as hell. The question I had found the most tantalizing was the fact when he says, I fought with Commander Tano from Christophsis to the Siege of Mandalore. And we have not seen the Siege of Mandalore. No. I don't know what that is. Oh, right. We haven't. Um, so the Dude, last time we saw that, the last time we saw Mandalore, it was still in the hands of Death Watch and Darth Maul. Vizsla. Um, well, no, no Vizsla. Vizsla lost gone. his head. Yeah. 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 It's Darth yeah, Maul yeah, yeah. and Death Watch and the Shadow Collective. And oh. the next reference we hear about Mandalore is that there's an Imperial Academy there. And it makes you wonder. 
why Rex and why Ahsoka were working together to siege Mandalore, and now the Empire controls it. Yeah, like, I want to know that story. Yeah, me too. One of the other things that I had a question about, you guys can help me out with it, is that um, Rex at one point said that they took out the chips in their head and he showed his scar there. Now, did they take their chips out before Order 66 after they found out everything that was going on with, what was it, Fives and, and Clone Wars, or did they take it out afterwards? I don't think it would have done them much good if they took it out after. Yeah. So they were not under the thumb of the Emperor when Order 66 happened, so they were working with Ahsoka afterwards? Yeah. I think we saw... I think they would have taken them out before Order 66 because Captain Rex was part of the 501st and Anakin's clone, and we don't see him marching on the temple with Anakin in Revenge of the Sith. No. But it's good to see him back. was also that they took them out before. Yeah. It's good to see him back. Which is... I don't understand why the Empire let them live. The next thing, really, with with Rebels that I want to discuss with you, too, um, had a very lengthy conversation with Anya about it right after we watched it, but um, Ahsoka is pretty much putting Ezra and Kanan and crew on to going to find Rex, and she's going to go do something, and she tells Kanan very forcefully, trust him who they're sending him to find. You know, you got to trust him, believe in, if you trust me, you need to trust him. And, and they get there and instantly, as soon as they realize that they're clones, Kanan lights his lightsaber up and gets in front of everybody to protect them. And he, he clearly doesn't trust the clones, which, you know, after what's happened to him, uh, how many of us would have that kind of blind trust. But throughout the episode, Kanan really is, uh, he fights within himself to trust Rex, even after he kind of proves that he isn't a bad guy. So what did you guys feel about that whole part of the story? I love the moment where he just pulls out his lightsaber, like, holy crap, these guys are clones, and he pulls his lightsaber. Like, I love how that confrontation has to happen. And the clones actually shoot. Yeah, no, there's nothing, like, friendly about this. And then they get sold out, so it's not uh, it's not a happy thing. No. Agreed. I don't think there's any other way that... Sh- I don't think there's any other way that should have gone. That was perfect, and... If- if you haven't read the Kanan, the last Padawan comic, it still hit hard. But if you have read that comic, wow, does all of that pack a punch from Kanan's initial reaction to, especially when he talked to Ezra about what happened. Yeah. The comic is so emotional and really shows Kanan's, you know, the days after Order 66 and what he had to go through. And it kind of makes the weight of what happens. Like, these were men he worked alongside, that he fought with, that he joked around with. and. They're having dinner, and then the next second, they're killing his master and trying to kill him. So when you think about all the emotion of that, obviously of that that event, and having seen it unfold on the comic book page, like it just it stays with you when you see Kanan react to the clones, and you can't help but like your gut just like feels like wrenched and twisted on his behalf. So he's gone through all that, and he's trying to protect his friends and his crew. And the other thing that's interesting to me is so um, Hera and Chopper are left up on the ghost, and they take is it the little ship called the Phantom. Yes, the yeah. little ship is called the yeah. Phantom. Yeah. So they're up on the ghost, and they have to fix it because the hyperdrive or whatever is not fixed, or it's on fire and everything. Chopper's going crazy. Hera's all mad, and then the rest of the crew go down onto the planet to to find Rex and. So they're they're separated, and then that call goes out to the uh, Empire from from one of the clones, and we see something that I really haven't really seen too much in Star Wars, 
up until this point with uh, Clone Wars or Rebels, but we see that old Empire Strikes Back type droid searching on the planet form. So am I wrong? Or do we see that more than I'm, I'm remembering? Um, those sorts of droids have been, I guess they've, they're pretty ubiquitous in the games and stuff, but this is, uh, there were some early versions of them, uh, in Clone Wars that were different. Like I think the, uh, the assassin droids that were sent after Satine were the same sort of manufacturer, but not yeah. the same droid. Yeah. But, uh, oh, right. I mean, this is a, an early prototype of the one we see in Empire, I think. Yeah. So I got a little excited by seeing that. And then. They show the, the previews of what's happening next week, and we see, I don't call them AT-ATs, I call them ADATs. Some other people do, too. So we see that in the preview for next week. So it's feeling very Empire-esque to me. Yeah, the next episode, I don't want to spoil too much. We can talk about that next time. Yeah, yeah. I want to see, I, I believe it was a Clone Wars episode where they have the ships that come down that actually deploy the ADATs. I hope, upon hope that we see those they in did, this episode, they did too. That, uh, well, they did that with the walkers. In in Attack of the Clones, where you had the ships that the the Republic gunships that dropped them down. Yeah. Um, oh right, right. So, Amy, final thoughts on Rebels and what we can look forward to next week. I liked something that they did, which is kind of establish like how the season's going to go. Like we see Ahsoka give a mission, she goes off to deal with bigger problems. Like that immediately gets you straight on where she's going to be in the story. And I like how the relationship with Ezra and Kanan is changing, and that Ezra now has more mentors. Yeah. Besides Kanan. So I look forward to seeing more of the Kanan Ezra clone dynamic develop. I think that's really interesting and just gives the story like a lot of meat and emotion. So I want more of that and some action. I mean, come on, Adats, it's going to be pretty great. Yeah. Spoilers, it is pretty great. Spoilers, it's pretty great. And you know what, Amy Ratcliffe, I believe when you speak things. So I think it's going to be pretty great too. Brian, what's what's your thoughts? Uh, I would take Amy's word for it. I mean, really, like. The, the next episode, I think I like that half of the episode better than this half um, because it felt like there was a lot more at stake. Yeah. And uh, I really want to see that relationship like Amy was talking about um, between Kane and Ezra and them dealing with Rex develop. There's a, a clip they showed of Kane and Ezra and Rex interacting uh, in... An episode, I have no idea what episode it's from, but just a future episode, and it was probably one of the funniest and best things I've ever seen, and I really can't wait to see that relationship develop. Yeah. Um, the thoughts for me is one thing, and you guys can fix this for me. I The first episode is the first is the episode that played back in June, correct? That's That should be season two, episode one, right? Well, they're billing it as the movie and billing this as season two, episode one, but essentially, yes. Okay, because on my, my direct TV is my cable provider. On For me, it has Siege Lethal as one, as 2.3, and uh, this week's episode as 2.1. So in the timeline, is this happening after they've had their encounter with Darth Vader? Yeah, obviously. So the yeah. References. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's what that's where I'm at. So with all this going on, I didn't feel this is my only criticism about the episode. I didn't feel any any of that. Maybe it's because everybody was overpowered with you know with Kanan's feelings and his trust and everything that's happened in his past. But I didn't feel that kind of fear or urgency that we yeah. felt at the end of that episode with Darth Vader. So it's kind of like. I would have liked to see a little bit more in that 
in this well, episode. You're going to get that. You're going to get that in part two. Okay, but yeah, the, this episode seemed like it was a big set, like it was setting up for something big. And now we know that the Empire knows where they are, and they're going to come and try to get them. And and the proverbial shite is going to hit the fan, I'm sure. But um, besides that, I really don't have any kind of criticism about this week's episode. I'm really happy that it's back, and I hate, hate to sound like super fanboy, but I am, and I am very much looking forward to next week. And I'm very jealous of you two that you got to check it out. So. Um, I always, uh, when you have more Star Wars knowledge than me, I want to know more, you know? I do. I do. And I'm glad to impart that when I can. Yeah. Now, we're going to hear about Shattered Empire, Brian. Tell us a story, Brian. Weave us a tale. The thing about Shattered Empire, right? Like, just to set the stage, Shattered Empire is the four-part comic book miniseries with part four, which I'm dying to read, coming out this week as, as you're listening to this show. And the first three issues are, are Greg Rucka, who's the writer who wrote the middle grade novel uh, Smuggler's Run as well. And this is sort of like our look at the rebellion in the, the days after, like the immediate days after uh, the destruction of the second Death Star. After the Battle of Endor, we're getting into what's going on and what the state of the galaxy is like. And this is our first look in any medium of the big three and what they're up to in this era. This is like almost the only glimpse we've had of it. Right. Yeah. Um, And it's the only glimpse as far as I'm aware that we will get until force awakens comes out. And some of it's amazing. I think they're getting, they're getting closer to answering my most burning question. And that's where the Naberis got to throw it in there, Brian. Well, no, but seriously, Pad or Leia goes to, Naboo. Mm-hmm. Leia has a conversation with the new queen of Naboo. Leia has to defend. Oh, like, I love this. So the idea is, and, and for those of you who haven't read it, there will be some mild spoilers here. Mike and Amy already told me they didn't care if, if they heard a couple. Um, unless they've rescinded that. No, permission. no, please. No, spoil it uh, So go move like five or ten minutes down the timeline and uh, if you still hear my voice on this, just keep going. Because um, there's other cool stuff to listen to. So basically, there's this. Uh, we see the bridge of this Star Destroyer in like the second issue, I think. Maybe it's the third issue. They kind of blend together because I read them like voraciously right when I got them. Yeah, but it's cool when stories blend together because then it's really woven together well. Yeah, yeah. So we're on the bridge of this Star Destroyer um, and we move forward like this this like weird like red kind of robot with like a holographic face comes up and he's giving um the commander of the star destroyer or the admiral of the star destroyer orders and he invokes operation cinder and it's basically sort of like the it's like hitler's sort of like uh protocol that like if they took him or if they captured germany or whatever just like start burning everything well basically like these robots or people or whatever deliver this message from Palpatine pre-recorded that just goes and gives missions to a whole bunch of people in the Empire. And uh, it sort of establishes that they don't necessarily believe that Palpatine's dead. In fact, somebody's like, but sir, you know, the Emperor's dead. And he's like, you contain that, you know, Republic propaganda. Like, he just gave me orders. And uh, basically, Operation Cinder is for them to go, like destroy targets of planets and so they sh- they roll up to naboo ready to to turn it into ash mm-hmm. oh. Well, oh. well 
while Leia's there. Oh, snakers. And uh, so Leia's there talking to the queen, and they're like, how are we going to defeat this? And Leia's like, well, do you have any fighters? Like, we can we can help with this. And it's Leia, Poe Dameron's mother, and the queen of Naboo getting the only, th- like, because Palpatine, like, disarmed Naboo, but the queens and, and the government sort of sealed off the wing where all of the Phantom Menace stuff happened, like the royal hangar. So this is like a power tree of women that are going to yes. take over? So they're heading down there, what? and those... D- those double doors open and Leia just freezes. And she feels cold. Oh no. And it it she sees this sort of flash or she feels this flash of Darth Maul in his presence. And then oh, they No. And then they Sorry, get very excited. In, and then they get into the fighter planes. They get into the Royal N one Naboo Starfighters and they start kicking ass. But seeing Leia in flight gear that's like Leia and the Queen and everybody in flight gear that's exactly like Padme's from Attack of the Clones and in the the cockpits of these fighters it was like just such an amazing moment for me but the idea that Palpatine is still calling shots for so much of the Empire is so thrilling to me and that it's tying so well into the prequels like Greg Rucka like uh Amy and I, we talked about this last week on the on our live part of the show. Like that guy's a Phantom Menace fan, and reading Shattered Empire, if you like, I know some people were like, I think he was just talking about that moment, but reading this comic, it's pretty clear that guy's a Phantom Menace fan. Just period. Yeah, I kind of got chills just hearing you talk about it, Brian. Like oh, how so Leia good. must have like that feeling that she must have had because she's force sensitive. She can feel those things even if she doesn't know it. And I don't. Right. I don't get the impression she knows who her mother is, though. She knows who her father is, but I don't think they've put that together yet. Mm-hmm. But she's on Naboo. It's just, it's so fascinating to me to see Princess Leia in the throne room on Naboo and in the hangar on Naboo and in a cockpit of a Royal Naboo starfighter. Like, it's just, it feels so right. And that they're tying all this stuff together makes me so happy. That's just so crazy to, to put that together, to, to go from the prequels to the original trilogy, to that, that step. I mean, we've seen that with, with the cartoons and, and some other things, but that's pretty cool. Now I got to read it, Brian. You actually turned me. Yeah. Well, I don't know why you guys hadn't read it. I have so much to read. I'll get to that later. I have an excuse. I read the first issue and then... So I didn't have it in my pull list for some reason, but my comic shop realized, oh, it's Star Wars. Of course she wants it. So they put number one in my list, but I didn't tell them to keep pulling it. So then I didn't get number two, and then I got number three. So I have something of an excuse, kind of, sort of. Anyway, I think it is very interesting that, Brian, you mentioned something, a moment that I never thought of. We might get to see, not the moment when they find out, but you know, we get to see a world where Luke and Leia probably realize that their mom is Padme, and that's not something I really thought about before. My mind's a little blown. Well, and that's something else, too, that ties into Darth Vader number 10. Like, all of these stories that they're telling, at least with Darth Vader and, like, what what, uh, Shattered Empire is doing, it seems like we're getting closer to that. Like, have you guys read Darth Vader 10 yet? No. Uh, No, I read 9. That was the last one I read. Um, Do you want No, no, I don't want to. No. Can we talk about it next week? Yeah, we'll talk about (laughs) it next week. uh, That's what I'm actually invested in. I almost started crying. Oh, great. Great. Oh. 
fantastic. The reason, and this is why I'm a bad student on this show, Brian. Um, just uh, there's a lot to read, and I don't want to make excuses, but life and work has been busy, so I've been trying to finish Aftermath. And then I have Arish was so kind to give me the Battlefront book, Twilight Company, when we were up at Comic Con. So I kind of he I got another copy of it too, and so me and Anya have been kind of reading that back and forth at bedtime. So Aww. so it's like I got to send you a picture of the Amy. Like I had the I brought a copy home with me, and then a couple of days later I got it in the mail, and I'm like, well, I have a copy, so this one's yours. And like little girl jumping up and down, so excited that she got a Star Wars book. Like how cool is this kid? And uh, so now. I'm kind of invested in we're reading chapters of that when we're getting ready for bed. I will tell you both that I'm pretty much reading everything. And if there's anything you just want to skip and want me to explain, I'll do it. Okay. I might have to get that point because there's so many good things that are going to be coming out too. Yeah. I don't know how I kept up to be honest. I don't know how you kept up. I'm as busy as anybody it, it shocks me. I don't. I don't know how. And this isn't like kissing butt. I just don't understand you two, with the amount of travel you do and the amount of work that you have to do with stuff. Like, I, I don't understand how you do it. Like, like you have kids, Brian and Amy. That's not like a like tossing you off because you don't have kids. No, but kids you, a whole other thing. Yes, yeah, yeah. so you have kids to worry about too. Like, I come home and then I want to spend time with Ariana and Anya, and then I get to read a little bit, and I do it on my iPad or my phone. But then it's like spend time with this and let's go do this, and I don't know how you do it. I just get up early. Yeah, see, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I like sleep. Yeah. No, it was I funny, dream Star um, Wars. So at uh at New York Comic Con, Amy and I were in a room together with uh Bria from Tashi Station. Mm-hmm. And Bria's a cosplayer and in addition to a blogger. And Amy and I were sort of like tag teaming over the course of the weekend the desk because we were both like writing the whole time we were there and <laughs> filing stories and doing stuff. And she's like Bria goes like I've never actually shared a room with anyone at a convention where they actually used the desk as anything but costume <laughs> storage. Like you guys are obviously <laughs> writers. Yeah. Well he's gotta write. It's like one of the, it's like breathing, right? Well sometimes I, I could really not write and be okay with it, but at conventions that's usually not an option. <laughs> All right. So then before we get into playing our um our podcast I mean, yeah, our podcast panel on podcasting. Um, let's. We have one more thing that we're going to discuss today. And we have some thanks and all that stuff to, to do, too. Because what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this one thing now. Then we're going to end the show. And then at the end of it, after you hear the music, then you can hear our podcast panel. Yeah. So, Brian, the last thing. Okay, so tickets. Tickets. Right now, like, no Bobby kind of broke that story that October 19th might be the day. Yeah. And... I think the vast majority of people listening to this are listening to this on October 19th. And it seems like every indication is that we are getting tickets today. And uh, if you want to know exactly, like, I don't know what everybody's doing for it. I know uh, I will be at a theater in Salt Lake and there are details that I cannot divulge yet. And that I believe Mike will be here at that same theater. Yeah. And then you should probably be there too, everybody. Exactly. And Amy has friends in Los Angeles. She will be watching it with, and I don't know how public that is, but I mean, presumably everybody's going to be seeing it with friends wherever they're at. Yes. Uh, But uh, if you want to know where to get tickets to see it with Mike and I, we can't talk about it much yet, but it's probably going to sell out by the time there's another episode out. Yeah. So I want people to go and 
like our Facebook page, turn on notifications for our Facebook page, and download the app for the movie theater chain that we're going to be seeing the movies at. So it's Megaplex, um, which is a regional chain. It's the largest chain in, in the Salt Lake City region and, and a few neighboring states. And if there's a big sort of uh, event or a marathon sort of thing or anything like that, assume that's, assume that's where we're going to be and get tickets <laughs> for that. Yes. Way to keep it vague but informative. That's good. Balance. <laughs> you know, sometimes they say don't assume because it makes an ass out of you and Brian. But in this case, assume. <laughs> well, okay. Well, if you download the app, they will send you an alert when tickets go on sale, I believe. And if you keep an eye on our Facebook page, that's where we'll give you all of the details as soon as we have them about where we're going to be seeing the movie. Because, and I can say this, um, Mike and I will be leading discussions and uh, talking about the movie in the theater with people and recording some bits of episodes and things like that. Uh, so it's, it's something that if you listen to the show and you're going to be in Salt Lake City or would like to plan on coming to Salt Lake City... I would say it's not a thing to miss. It's a wonderful time. You won't you won't regret your time in Salt Lake City. That's what I'm going to say. I'm not from there. I love it there. Um, you can also check Twitter, too. If you're not on Facebook, we are going to put this up on uh, Twitter as well. So at Full of Sith, at Amy underscore Geek, at Swank Motron, at The Mike. And, and here's another thing. At Bobby Roberts PDX. If you haven't noticed yet, we got a lot of tweets lately about Bobby. Well, you can tweet at him while you're tweeting at us, too. You don't have to just say, and Bobby. He's back on Twitter. He's made a triumphant return. So wasn't his episode great? See, that was the next thing I was going to discuss quickly. I really enjoyed listening to it. Um, I know I heard some positive reviews about it, and I know I heard some negative reviews about it. And either way, positive or negative, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts with me, but you can also share them directly with Bobby at Bobby Roberts PDX on Twitter and Bobby at com. I know that Bobby likes to hear all kinds of good or bad. He wants to hear what people think, and I think some people took it the wrong way. I think some people might have taken it the way that I spent a half an hour hearing somebody tell me how what type of Star Wars fan I should be or how I how what? I should be a Star Wars fan or what the type of whatever. And that's not what I took out of it. And um, so, you know, you have the, these thoughts, good or bad. Get a hold of Bobby. Tell me what you think. I think the great thing about Bobby's thesis of that episode is that the divide that exists in fandom becomes less and less relevant the further away we get from that original generation of Star Wars fans. Mm -hmm. um, and that by the time Force Awakens comes out, there will be so many new Star Wars fans and people getting into the fandom that if you're not... And I truly believe that like sort of the the people who want to bring back the EU and the people who hate the prequels are vastly outnumbered anyway. But if they feel like they're outnumbered now, they're going to be definitely with that tidal wave of people who come in after force awakens. Mm -hmm. And instead of trying to create divisions and fandom around that, I think we should rally around all of these new fans and just put all that stuff aside. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And, and the other thing was, it wasn't, this wasn't just Bobby turning on the mic and ranting for 30 minutes either. Bobby put a lot of thought into it. There was, it was something that he's been talking to us about a bit, and he put a lot of thought into it, and he put a lot of time into editing it. I think pristinely, like quality wise, it was brilliant. It was really edited well. I like all the sounds, I liked all the music. 
I thought I thought it was a great listen. And like I said, I, I good or bad. I mean, if we had the most amazing show ever one week, we're still there's going to be somebody who doesn't like what we're going to say, and that's fine. We we don't expect everybody to to always agree with us, and we don't. I don't have any negativity if somebody thinks differently than I do on this show. And um, so it's good. But I'm just saying, I know Bobby likes to hear feedback. So at Bobby Roberts PDX and Bobby at FullSit.com. Right? Am I wrong? No, that's you're accurate. Okay. I'm on the ball. So let me just say again, T-shirts, FullSit.com. You can find them there. Get some iTunes reviews. If you haven't left one yet, please do. We uh, we check those out quite frequently, and we always appreciate getting feedback. And um, what else do I want to say thank you about? I want to say thank you to the guys at Delray. Brian, they were very hospitable when we were at their booth last Friday. They let us get away from the crowd a little bit. It was really was nice. Good. Yeah, Amy can attest to how bad the crowds were there. Yeah, you probably got a dose of that if you were if you listened to last week's episode. I was I pretty got, I was pretty done. I got I got messages from people like. You got you got Amy that hug that snack and that nap right. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so I mean the the crowds were big, and um, so it, we went out for a nice dinner afterwards Friday night. So that was very nice too, even though we uh, had to bear the elements, the uh, rain and the thunder and the lightning. But I just like I said, I wanted to thank those guys. I also want to say thank you to you, uh, the listener. Um, thank you for all your emails and your voicemails and tweets and facebook posts and all that if you're a new listener i actually got a couple emails this week from some people that are new listeners and they're loving what they're hearing on the show if you'd like to leave us a voicemail please do so 206-426-5592 or you can use the SpeakPipe app on our website and our website is fullasith.com and there you can find our contact information i said our twitter i'll say it again at fullasith at the mic at amy underscore geek at swankmatron at bobby roberts pdx and then facebook.com slash fullasith is where we're telling you to go and then, you know, get get alerts from us because you're going to want to know about ticket sales and all that. And then holocron of is the email address where you can reach us. And Brian and Amy, I, I say this every week. I set it up at the panel. You do great things. You do great writings. I'm going to let you talk about you. I write for Star Wars and Nerdist. And now that Rebels is back, I do reviews of Rebels every week for Nerdist.com. And in the latest Star Wars Insider, I have the news and interview with the Bradley D. Bradley Baker about the return of the clones. So please check that out. And was there a new com link posted? Oh, yeah. So the com link is sort of back. We're going to be doing live weekly news shows until The Force Awakens in theory. So, yeah, David Collins and I kind of do a video podcast, basically, is what it is. It's yeah. good times. Yeah, I saw a post of it. Yeah. I wanted to make sure I was right. Yeah. Cool. And Brian, what about you? Um, you know, I've got my regular column on StarWars.com about the cinema behind Star Wars. There's some very cool movies coming out. The last one was about uh, uh, The Bridge on the River Kwai, which was a great movie that you should check out. Um, and in the last, in the same issue that Amy was talking about of Star Wars Insider, I have a piece about the practical effects of the prequels. And in the issue that's coming out this week, I believe, um, I have a, an in-depth story about uh, the guys who make Disney Infinity. Uh, and how they got into the star Wars license with, with, with uh, the infinity game and what they did and talk to the artists behind it and stuff. And it was a lot of fun. And um, I, I keep getting scolded that, and you'll hear on the podcasting panel that I get scolded for it, um, <laughs> that I don't talk about this enough, but I do write books also and fiction books. And I have a fiction book uh, that is coming out November 11th. And I would love it if you either went to brianyoungfiction.com or to Amazon and pre-ordered a copy. It's a 
steampunk World War One story that's got war and espionage and romance, and uh, I'm very proud of it, and uh, I hope everyone will like it. But it would help me out a lot if you pre-ordered a copy. Yeah, so do that. Brian makes great books. He writes them, he makes them. Now, I don't know if you actually press them, but I guess you don't no, press books. No, that is not my department. <laughs> <laughs> press CDs and DVDs, I guess. But anyway, no, Brian... Um, I've read several of your books, and I've have never been disappointed. Uh, Lost at the Con is a great book. Um, why can't I think of the one to go back in time? What's the name of that one? Operation Montauk. Operation Montauk. That book blew my effing mind when I read that. So Brian does write some great stories, and you should uh, definitely go pre-order his new book, because I'm sure he's going to give me one, but I'm going to go pre-order it myself. Did I say the title? It's called The Aeronaut. I don't think no, I said it. you didn't it. say it. You That's didn't. Right. I remember reading it's your called- post about it. It's called The Aeronaut, and I have also at about the same time a collection of space opera short stories called Escape Vector coming out that's really cool. We are the worst self-promoters on the planet. I'm, <laughs> I'm rubbish at it. Like I'm like, I want to talk about the books, but I won't even name the titles. Like, who am I? Like, who is this guy? Yeah. Amy, Amy, you need a book, too. Maybe one day. We'll see. I read books sometimes. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Um... You can go to themike.com and you can find my audio archive of everything I've ever done. Um, we talked about that on the podcast panel, too. Or, you know, call me directly, 481-516-2342. Just give me a call. We'll talk some Star Wars. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. No, that's not my number. That's the numbers on Lost. Um, oh, good. I was like, I don't know if that's a wise decision, Mike. <laughs> right? No. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, com and Mike at com. But, um, yeah, I've been getting a lot of good feedback from the show lately. I've been getting some people that were uh, confused on certain things, and I've been trying to uh, get you guys actively involved in the emails as well to answer some of these questions, and we're definitely going to have to uh, empty out the inbox before we get to Force Awakens, because once that hits, we're going to be really busy for quite a while. So let's get to do that one of these weeks. Let's plan on that. So if you want to get something into us, you got the number, you got the email, do it. All that good stuff. So now we're going to end the show. And after the music plays off, you can uh, listen to our podcast panel at New York Comic Con from back on Friday the 9th of this year, 2015. And I hope you enjoy it. And I got a lot out of it. It uh, it also it's not just the three of us. Also, it's uh, Holly and Tracy, both from Stuff You Missed in History. Awesome, and Greg Wilson from the Speculate SF podcast. So you know, I really uh, like that dude. By the way, me too. Yeah, yeah. We got to talking after the show too, after the panel. And he's a very smart guy. He's been doing this he's, a long time, like I have. He knows his ins and outs. Yeah, he's a professor, so that's why he seems smart. Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah, I liked him a lot. He's articulate. Very, and very. Stuff. Actually, that's why I said when we were walking to go get dinner, I'm like, um, the things that you said were what I was trying to get my brain to do, but I don't have the word power like that. I'm no wordsmith. I just make up my own words. But episode 137 of Full of Sith is now complete, and enjoy the podcasting panel after you hear the music. So for my great co-hosts, Amy Ratcliffe and Brian Young, and Bobby should be back soonish, maybe next week? Maybe. Maybe, hopefully. Yeah, maybe. Stay tuned for that. I am the Mike Pilot. May the force be with you, always.
Sir, if you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcasting panel. Uh, my name is Brian Young, and I co-host a podcast about Star Wars called Full of Sith. And uh, we've been around almost three years and have uh, been doing it for a while and doing other podcasting stuff. And we want to do a podcast about why we podcast, uh, how we do it, and just to answer questions about podcasting. But Full of Sith isn't the only podcast being represented here, but I do have two co-hosts of Full of Sith here if they'd like to introduce themselves. Um, I'm Amy Ratcliffe. I, like as Brian said, co-host Full of Sith with him and Mike and Bobby, who is sadly not here. Uh, in addition to that, I'm a writer, um, a pop culture journalist. I write a lot about Star Wars, surprise, surprise, and some on a Star Wars podcast. Okay, I'm Mike. I do Full of Sith as well. I've been podcasting almost 10 years now, and I do Full of Sith and many other shows, and I am happy to be here with you all today. Uh, my name is Gregory Wilson. I'm a college professor at St. John's University and teach courses in fantasy and science fiction. And uh, in addition to writing, I run a podcast called Speculate, uh, the podcast for writers, readers, and fans with Brad Bollier, just has a new series out from DAW that talks about uh, fantasy, science fiction, interviews, authors and artists and editors from across the field, and now in its uh, fifth year of production. Hello. Uh, I am Tracy V. Wilson. That is there so... I'm different from the other many Tracy Wilsons. <laughs> I am co-host of Stuff You Missed in History Class. See, they are here for you guys. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, and I'm Holly Fry, who is the other co-host of Stuff You Missed in History Class. <laughs> They're best really for Brian. So we'll tell, tell uh, I guess you guys are all familiar enough with the show that they don't need to give a brief introduction of what the show's about. I guess it's in the title. Yeah. It's about uh, stuff you missed in history class. <laughs> yeah, we talk about stuff history. Some of it you might have heard in history class, but not the whole story. What? Oh, our, this lean-in thing is tricky. I don't want to invade Tracy's personal space. Um, uh, yeah, we talk about stuff that you may or may not have learned about history, or if you did learn about it, you probably didn't get the whole story, so we try to cover those. It's a lot of fun, and it makes you want to know more about history, to be honest with you, too. I love your show. Thank you. If, if you if you haven't heard our show and you want to hear our show, I will warn you, our most recent episodes are very sad. <laughs> <laughs> you do not want to be sad immediately. Skip a little back. Go to Listomania. Listen to that one first. <laughs> so, um, I want to ask everybody, just kind of going down the line, we can start with Amy at the end. Uh, what... Uh, got you into podcasting in the first place, and why is podcasting sort of the the medium, uh, the powerhouse as a medium it is today, in your view? Well, I got into podcasting because you asked me to be on a Star Wars podcast. That's how, <laughs> that's how that started, and twist my arms talk about Star Wars. But I think why podcasting is important is anybody can do it. Uh, anybody can put their voice out there, and the wider, like, the more voices we have talking about whether it's history or Star Wars or fiction or politics, whatever it is, the more people that can get their voice out there and be heard, the more we all learn and the, we get more perspectives that way. So I think podcasting makes it really easy for anybody that has opinions, which I'm guessing is most everybody, most of you, opinions about stuff. Uh, you can get it out there and find other people who have similar opinions or you know discussions with people who don't. So I think it's 
just accessible and uh, it's really important because easier for people to do and easy for people to listen. Uh, yeah, I agree with the accessibility part. Um, I got into podcasting, I was talking with Mike a little bit about this back in the, the Wild West days, uh, in around 2005, um, where a group of friends and I um, wanted to have our voices be heard probably far too much, and so uh, we're involved in a comedy podcast called The Mep Report that I still do a couple of once in a while to this day. Um, and that was a lot of fun, um, and did not have a lot of structure because it was 2005 and nobody did anything structurally. <laughs> um, and so it kind of wandered around. And um, over the years, when I ended up doing Speculate, it was partly because I wanted a chance to talk more about works that I loved and works that I read and works that I taught and works that I wrote. Um, I was in the field anyway, right? And actually experiences like this, being at a convention or a conference and having a chance to speak to audiences and speak to people on an individual basis about what they liked um, was an amazing, amazing thing uh, and continues to be. So when we got um, started doing Speculate, um, we really wanted to kind of hone, uh, sort of zoom in a little bit on uh, the writing and the reading process specifically, and do more of what we had been doing sort of informally, you know, talking shop, uh, you know, at conferences where we got together. Um, and the great thing for me about podcasting is that we're able to do that in a recorded venue and sort of develop and build networks of people who do the same thing. And if you're talking shop, you guys know this from being here, if you're hanging out with lots of like-minded people, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to spend time with a bunch of people uh, that care about the things that you do and talk about it in a wider audience, um, to a wider audience. So um, that's, that's why I started doing it um, and continues to be, I think, why I do it now. Yeah, and you're right. Back in 2005, 2006, it really was the Wild West of podcasting because there wasn't really anywhere you could go to find out how to do a podcast. Um, you could download Audacity or any other recording program, and but how did you get it out to people? Did you put it on your own website that maybe nobody knew about, or did you spend money on different places that were just popping up to get podcasts out there? And initially, in the beginning, you know, it wasn't very easy. iTunes didn't give you a lot of help with anything no. you kind of had to make your own excel file xml file which i still do by hand to this day oh, that's that's troubling <laughs> yeah I, it's like force to have it but i got into podcasting because back in the early 2000s for a couple of years i had a website called the mic.com and it was a place where people could go and complain and like you said like-minded people want to complain go to the mic.com air your complaints and people would complain about Comcast and their bad service or their utilities or just so people... So it's an uplifting... Yeah, it was a service that I why, gave to the rest of the world. Why did you want to be like the... the, like the because the I had a lot to complain about. Stuff. I had a lot of angst, you know? I really hated Comcast at the time. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? The emo years. Mike, the emo years. Yeah, the emo years. Yeah. The, the internet is your fault, really. It really the is. It, a whole. It, yeah. it really is. Yeah. But So I had the website up and there were people from different parts of the country and bandwidth was and Skype certainly wasn't at a point to this that you could actually have a good show with three people from different parts of the country like right. we do with Full Sith. Um, yeah, I didn't have a, a recording studio like I do now where I have several computers bringing in different feeds into the mixing board so everybody has their own tracks and we try to make the best quality podcast we can get out to people but anyway I'm getting past myself. So we got into it because we thought we were clever, and we thought we were funny, and people seemed to like us on the website. So we started a show called The Awful Show. It was named after a college radio show that three of these other guys did, and The Awful Show is ridiculous, and it was terrible, and it was awesome all at the same time because we didn't care. And at this time, podcasting was in its infancy, and, and we got a lot of fans because of that because we didn't take things seriously. It wasn't guys, guys in radio... 
looked at podcasting like it was nothing. Yeah. They didn't take the, the median for, they took it for granted. They didn't think they could make it. Out. Now everybody wants to do podcasting. So anyway, we, uh, we started doing The Awful Show, and we quickly found we went from 200 listeners to 5,000 listeners. And by the end of the first year, we're featured on iTunes, and we're having 150,000 downloads in one month, and it's crazy. And from there, we just, it got to a point where I did a few more shows, and then Brian, who has been a, a friend of mine for a long time, people told him, hey, Mike likes podcast, like Star Wars. You like Star Wars, and then we ended up doing Star Wars. Well, yeah, um, for, for my part, I got into it uh, earlier than that. I was doing some work with uh, the Geek Show podcast, because um, that's based locally uh, around me in Salt Lake City. It's, it's uh, all geek stuff, and they had me talk about the Star Wars stuff, because I was like writing about Star Wars and covering it. Uh, I cover it for, for StarWars.com and Star Wars Insider and, and stuff like that, but I wasn't at that point yet. And pod- podcasting kind of helped give me that uh, that platform initially to start going and covering events more. And then when um, they kind of stopped doing that with me, and Mike was a producer and knew about Star Wars, I was just like, you know, with these new movies coming out, people are going to want to talk about this. And uh, it was at a time when all of the other Star Wars podcasts sort of like uh, stopped. Uh, the other big name in Star Wars po- podcasting had gone on hi- hiatus. Yeah. Um, Forcecast went off the air, and we were, we like just filled in that vacuum. And then eventually they came back um, as Rebel Force Radio, and then the Forcecast came back. But uh, you know now there's you can't throw a stone and and you know you'll hit a Star Wars podcast and, at that point. And I just want to add, which is awesome. It's awesome that everybody can who has a voice or has something that they want to say that they can do podcasting because so. Five people in this front row do a Star Wars podcast. Awesome, because they all have a different mindset. They all think differently. And you can go on iTunes or any of the other podcast directories like Stitcher or anything else, and you can find many shows of people that, that speak to you and you get what they're saying and you can connect to them. And I think that that's what's really wonderful. I'm not afraid that there's seven billion Star Wars podcasts because they all have something to say. Yeah. So Holly and I both work for this website called HowStuffWorks.com, and HowStuffWorks started podcasting around 2008. Holly and I were not really podcasting then. What happened was our boss overheard us gossiping at a party. (laughs) 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 He decided we should have a podcast about pop culture, which we did, which had a small, devoted, very quirky audience who we loved, and they loved us. Uh, and then a couple of our colleagues, Sarah and Delina, had been on a podcast called Stuff You Miss in History Class. And Delina took a position elsewhere. And Sarah said, okay, I think I also would like to step back. She had been through the process of changing hosts a couple times. And she was ready to move on to other things. And so first Holly and then I moved on to Stuff You Miss in History Class. Do you have things to add to that? Not in the chronology. Um, I share a really similar point of view to Amy. Like, what I love about podcasting and what I think is really important about it is there's room for everybody. Like, there's no, like, the success of one podcast does not detract from the potential success of another person. Like, there is an infinite well of possibilities and audience and people that will find, you know, water sort of finds its level. So the right people to hear you are out there and the right people for you to... Um, you know, listen to you are also out there from the other end, and it's, I, that's what I love about it. It's sort of magical. Yeah, we get we have a lot of people who email us and have, ask for advice about how to 
have a podcast and like my two pieces of advice i only have two care about what you're doing yeah that's thing yeah. one and then thing two is if you really want more advice than that go pay two dollars for this american life's comic book on how to make radio because it is full of great advice that is a little more structural but even like you can disregard all of that advice if you want to do what you want to just care about what you're doing you know one other thing i, w- I want to add too um not about just people if you're interested in podcasting i certainly encourage you to do so the other thing that people don't realize who don't listen to shows now you, you have a, a nationally or globally known show like howard stern on xm and you know that he has a massive audience that would lay down in traffic for him because they love him and he's been doing it forever and everything that any of us ever do on podcasting has been done by howard stern at some point so nobody's original we just he's <laughs> he's done episodes about where the berries are yeah he did actually yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway um the, the thing about podcasting has kept me doing it for all these years is community it's we have listeners that met from two different people living in atlanta met two different people living in california now they've been married for seven eight years and they have kids and they would have never met if not for the awful show and when the awful show when i left that show and started doing mediocre now we had two gigantic audiences that at first we thought would clash but these both these audiences of people from all over north america and japan and across the you know the eu um, not the expanded universe. Okay. Um, so you have, you, have, you have all these people that actually, they the, the community, they care about each other. They're on social media. They actually have each other's phone numbers. They go on vacation with each other. One listener came from New Zealand and did a five-week trip around the whole United States to see all the people that she met from listening to podcasts, Nikki from uh, New Zealand. And there was a, one instance we had a show out in Salt Lake City, and the guy was trying to fly back to his home and he had buddy passes and he couldn't get on a flight. It was like that movie with Tom Hanks where he just could not get out of the airport. Terminal. Yeah. And it was four days until he got home to his family and his wife was furious. He's been away all these weeks and everybody got together and bought this guy first class tickets to get back home. They sent his wife flowers thanking her for letting him come because it's just so... I, I, I talk about it really passionately with people when I talk about podcasting because it's the community that keeps doing it. I met a couple people here in the front row at Celebration this year, and they're great guys. And, and I just feel I, – I know, Amy, you, you've had that same kind of experience. Brian, you guys – it's that's what podcasting really is. It's not people um, trying to sell a new show to ABC for me. It's, it's people all over the country, all over the world getting together and – liking the same thing and getting along. It, I, it kind of sounds weird, but it's, it's how I feel. So I want to ask, uh, and I want to start on this end first and move that way. When you, you're listening to podcasts, what is it you're listening for that keeps your interest? Are you doing this just so I'll talk about you? No, not at all. Because <laughs> <laughs> my, assumption, my assumption is always that no one listens to my podcast. No, I listen devotedly. You guys are my Monday morning jam on the way to work. Usually, what a jam. Unless it's not ready yet, and then it's my Monday afternoon situation. Um, I just listen to things that make me laugh and are, you know, interesting and going to maybe open my eyes to things that I don't always know like things that i haven't heard i i'm not super into hearing people reiterate what i've already heard or known so i i like listening to interesting people talk because they're usually going to come up with a novel idea like where the berries are <laughs> where are they uh, nobody cares right? <laughs> uh, i so i listen to two categories 
categories of things. One is similar, things that make me laugh. Uh, and a lot of times people that feel like friends when I listen to them talk. So I listen to Sawbones because Justin and Cindy McElroy sound like friends to me and they, I've met them, they're nice people. So that helps also. Uh, and I also learn interesting things from their show. And then there are things that I listen to solely to learn things from. Like I will listen to the Splendid Table and podcast form to learn about how to cook things better. Right now I'm listening to uh, Slate's inaugural Academy, which is the history of American slavery, which I am listening to to learn that because it's important. So there's just sort of the two things and it, it sort of switches back and forth, which one is higher on the list in terms of the limited listening time. Do I want to like feel comforted and laugh more or do I want to learn something more? I just listen to your guys' show. It's the only one. I listen to a lot of drag queen podcasts. <laughs> Do you really? Oh man, RuPaul's What's the Tea. If you guys aren't listening, you're missing out. I gotta write that down. It's so good. Mike? Um, so the shows that I started listening to in the beginning were bigger shows like um, Joe Rogan, Smodcast, and a lot of those shows. And, and again, everybody listens to those shows for a reason because they're very, very entertaining. What I've been doing a lot lately is listening to some... I'm going deeper into the iTunes podcast directory, trying to find shows that um, have one or two five-star reviews or they, um, they have an interesting synopsis of what the show is about. And, and um, again, I, I am looking for something interesting, a uh, point of view that I haven't heard before. Um, so I try to support smaller podcasts. And getting back, I think one of you said it earlier about the rules of podcasting. My rules of podcasting are care about what you're doing because if you don't care what you're getting out there and what you're saying, nobody's going to care either. And it doesn't matter what you're saying. Nobody's going to listen because you don't care about it. Be consistent. I'm not saying do a show every day. It's, a, it's very, very hard to do a show every day. But if you're going to do a show twice a month, do it twice a month. And if you can't do it twice a month, maybe record twice once and go on vacation the week and release that second show for that. Just be consistent because people... Like um, Holly was saying earlier, we're her Monday morning show unless we're not out, then we're Monday afternoon. People wait for their shows to come out. And if you don't do that, yeah, they get they get very upset. They realize you have a life, but they get very upset. And so consistency is very important. And then the third thing for me is is just the quality, the quality of a show. Um, and I, I hope I don't come off as a snob about this because I, I don't mean to, but... I tried really hard, and I spent a lot of money over the, over the years I've been doing this to try to have the best sounding show possible. I don't have a production studio. I don't have uh, sponsors behind me or paying to do it. It's all out of my pocket, and you can't have a microphone, a Logitech microphone laying in the middle of a table in a garage around 10 guys who are drinking beer. That's not an easy <laughs> podcast to listen to. So just, you don't have to have the best equipment, but just, you know, try to keep the echoes down, try to keep it interesting, and be yourself. People relate to you being you more than you think, because everybody in some way can relate to each other. So just, those are my rules about podcasting. I think a lot about what you're talking about is awareness of audience, um, and being aware that you have people listening to you, and not just that you're just sort of shooting your voice out into the ether. It can feel that way, mm -hmm. um, because any podcaster will tell you that the 
there is no, you know, the amount of downloads, the amount of listens that you know are happening will not be sort of reflected in feedback. Um, you can beg and plead and please give us comments and it will, it will be painfully slow before people actually start responding. Part of that is that podcasters, uh, podcast listeners often are listening to these things on commutes or things where it would be exceedingly dangerous to be responding. This is what I loved as the car goes, you know, sprung <laughs> on the highway. So, um, you know, part of it's that, but it's also because um, you know, audiences sometimes are hesitant to commit because they have had many examples of podcasts pod fading or vanishing or going dark. And if you invest in a particular audience, if you invest in a particular group of people, you want to know that that group of people will be there. Um, so I agree entirely that consistency is important. Um, when I'm listening to a podcast, what I'm looking for is uh, I agree entirely about quality. Um, I find that shows that are just goofing around and where it's clear that no editing's ever been done and that it's just... I'm kind of tired of that stuff, honestly, um, and I could listen to my friends and I sort of yammering <laughs> at each other if I really wanted that. Um, what I look for is a certain sense that people crafted a show so that they could provide a better experience for the audience, i.e., they really thought about it. They prepared ahead of time. You know, when we set up for a Speculate show, we spend a good deal of time in preparing interview questions, in thinking about, you know, the techniques that we use in our own work, in figuring out guests to bring on the show. And, you know, we bring on people like Brandon Sanderson and Pat Rothfuss and Kiz Johnson and N.K. Jemison and a whole ton of people, Brent Weeks and Peter Bread and a whole bunch of people that also care about the work that we care about, and I am not going to let those people sound like garbage because I didn't have my stuff together when I was setting up audio or whatever the case may be. And it doesn't involve, it, you know, it doesn't have to involve a $10,000 setup, but it does have to involve a bit of time. Um, and so when I'm listening to a show, I'm listening for a show that has that sense that someone paid attention and crafted it properly. Um, and then specifically, it happens to be shows that I find interesting. So I agree, shows that make me laugh. There was an old podcast called The Boston Sports Massacre, which was one of the most, <laughs> the funniest, funniest shows. I really yeah. wish they had not gone dark. Um, and I used to love listening to them for that reason. Um, I also listen a lot to shows that are in my genre. Um, Mike Underwood here is in the audience, and I'll give him a pop. Um, for Skiffy and Fanti, which is a show that he contributes to. Um, also, uh, SF Signal has a podcast that is really, really good, Writing Excuses, which has Brandon Sanderson, Howard Taylor, and uh, Mary Robin and Cole, um, are, is a great podcast for sort of writing-focused things. So I listen to stuff that's within my genre, I listen to stuff within my field, but either way, I want a show that acts like it gave a damn about its audience, because otherwise, why would I give a damn about it? Yeah. And also a show that demonstrates a certain amount of authenticity, and it does help to have people that you know are there because they want to be there talking with each other and care about having you in the audience hear it the same way they do. Um, that, I think, is just kind of a baseline for keeping my interest in the show. Well said. You know, it's funny that Mike was talking about production quality and, and value because for the longest time when I was on Bullsith, I only used my headphones and I only got a microphone, a proper microphone, like a month ago, and he never said anything until I asked for advice. So. He was telling this. What I did was is I had Amy on a separate track and then I would put her through different filters to make her sound warmer and closer to us. It's, it's funny too because like the, sec the second that episode came out, there was like, Tweets and emails yeah. almost immediately. Did Amy get a microphone? <laughs> <laughs> I grew up and got a microphone. Um, but I, I agree though. When I listen to a podcast, like I want quality. I, you're not putting the time into it to at least make it sound even and, and nice, and you edit it together. I don't. I'm not invested, and it can be a topic I'm interested in and would love to hear more about. And you might be giving me really great information, but. I want I want to know that you put a little effort into it. I don't you know that you didn't record it on your way to work while you you know something. I it just I agree. Production matters. 
It doesn't need to be the fanciest thing in the world, but, and other than that, I want, obviously, what kind of podcasts we all listen to, it's going to be a subjective topic, um, so I pick things that I want to learn more about, uh, Star Wars, I love hearing different opinions, because everybody, even though we all watch these same movies and these same shows, we all have different thoughts and interpret things, so I love getting fresh perspective, and uh, perspective, and I listen to shows about Disneyland, and history of uh, the parks uh, and of Walt Disney. So I have a, my podcasts are mostly fandom related. So I want to hear fresh theories, fresh thoughts. I don't necessarily just want to rehash of the latest news. I can read that. I can get that so many places. So I want voices and I, this might sound super cheesy, but I like when people are kind. Um, there's been podcasts that have turned me off because they're gatekeeping, uh, they're snarky about I mean I'm snarky too so I, I can't judge too much um, but when they're when they're kind of mean to fandom or kind of pull out that well true fans do this at that phrase wow. like you know like that kind of condescending attitude um, I don't need that so I look for people who are kind of kind and welcoming uh, whatever the topic is and don't talk down to you so I, I want to ask uh, kind of along those lines how everyone here and, and we'll start over on the side again um, how do you deal with feedback, both positive and negative? <laughs> Tracy and I deal with it really differently. We do, totally differently. She gets a lot more irate than I do. I'm like, whatever, like, I'm going to go make a cocktail. Um, <laughs> you know, I, at the end of the day, like, if I feel like I'm doing my work and I'm doing a good job, um, I, I, you know, I'm busy. I don't, I don't have quite the level of, um, like, Devotion. I feel like Tracy is such a hero because she really wants to educate people and like teach them about like no, y'all guess what? Racism is still real. This didn't go away. <laughs> or some people think that's relegated to history somehow. Um, but yeah, so I usually if it I mean if it's something genuine that I did wrong, like I totally am happy to hear those and I will own up to them. If someone just wants to be a jerk and say they don't like me, that's cool. Don't like me. I don't I can't fix that, I'm sorry. Uh, I have a folder in my email that's called Really Good Listener Email, and the people, the things that people send to us, that make me tear up a little in a good way. Like, it all goes in there for the day when it's not that, <laughs> uh, which happens. Um, the thing that, did, that just causes me, obviously, I'm having feelings about it right now, uh, to, to kind of just get in a knot is pronunciations of words. <laughs> if I could just wave a magic wand and never have anyone email us again to say that we said something the wrong way, I would do it. Uh, because for like that is the thing that me as the like the overachieving I remember my like my overachieving college student self, we tried to do everything perfectly all the time and like I try to pronounce things perfectly all the time. And regardless of what steps I make, it is not enough steps we still say things wrong I think the answer to this might actually be therapy <laughs> I think this is my issue and not the audience's issue and after what it's two years and something we've been on the show I still don't know how to do it uh, when it comes to the stuff that we hear though that's people being bigoted in some way my answering them Part of it is like me dealing with the fact that people are awful sometimes in the world. Like I, I have a hard time as a person dealing with that fact. 
but a lot of the responses that I give to people, especially on Facebook, that are like people who are leaving comments that are racist or sexist or in some other way bigoted, like a lot of that is about educating the other people who are maybe thinking that, but not enough to, to, be, the, to be the person who makes the comment. Like most of my response to that is half me dealing with that reality in the world and also trying to educate people who are willing to listen uh, but, but maybe still thinking in, in those more uh, less progressive lines, if that makes sense. Mike? All right, so good versus bad. Um, initially, in the beginning, there were a lot of bad ones, and it's because I don't have good pronunciation, and I don't... <laughs> I make up my own words, and I my brain moves so fast sometimes that I make five points when none of them make any sense to anybody. But initially, I would get bad emails, and I would take them very personally, and I would get very upset. And I'd be a brat, and I'm going to quit podcasting. I do this for people, and they're going to make me cry. So, yeah, initially, I was a big baby about it, and I didn't like it. And over the course of time, I, I learned to take it constructive. Not everybody's going to like anything you say, everything you say, and that's what makes things interesting. I'm glad that I have people in my life that don't have the same point of view as me because I would be very bored if it was a million me's walking around. Um, so initially upset. After a while, um, yeah, I take them as maybe to look, time to look within. Maybe is this something that I'm doing that's wrong, or should I try to correct this? And now nowadays with with Star Wars, um, with Full of Sith. Um, I don't care if somebody says something bad about me and what I think about Star Wars. That doesn't bother me. But good emails, um, I'd like to spend a little bit more time on those. Um, I am very humbled by every time, even a bad email, anytime somebody takes the time out of their day to email me and share a thought uh, or email the show and share a thought, um, I have made it a point to try to... Now, with social media, it's a little easier, but back in the day when there wasn't really Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, I made it a point that before I went to bed at night, I responded to every email that we got. And sometimes, depending on the topic, we got a lot of emails. And it wasn't a form email, or it wasn't a long email, but it was a personal email from me thanking you for contacting us, letting me know what you think. And if I was the listener of a show and I sent an email and they read the email on the show or they got back to me, it would make that connection I had to the show even more powerful. People listen to these podcasts and they don't look at it as co-hosts or people in California and Pennsylvania talking. They look at it as their friends and their family. And it's, it's a very, it's just like watching a TV show that somebody watched for 20 years and they were in love with the characters and it was like they knew them in real life. People take this really serious. And so I don't take that lightly at all. I've also gotten emails from people, I'm sorry if I sound choked up, because I am. I've gotten emails from people who have said them laughing on the show, them laughing from the show stopped them from committing suicide. And that's powerful. Um, because I just think I'm an idiot talking into a microphone half the time, but the fact that I helped somebody um, meet a friend, um, even uh, kids that were listening when they were 13 years old, now they're 23 and in the military and saying you know just thank you for I didn't have a dad I didn't have a big brother thank you for for showing me how to be a good person that that stuff I take really really serious and again I, it chokes me up because it's it, it's good it's really good feeling because there are a lot of good people out there 
it's uh, it's very well said. Um, I think uh, everything that I do uh, in my life at some point and on some level has been about um, one, telling stories, and two, trying to build communities uh, and make connections with people. So when people reach out back to me in return, it is, I agree, very humbling. Um, and I have had things like that. I also run a Twitch TV channel, uh, and I've had people um, who have contacted me there and have talked about similar things, not about avoiding suicide, but about being inspired, about going back to school, about deciding that they were going to change the way that they looked at life, that they were they had been pulled from their depression in part by things that we had done together as a community, and that is a tremendous and enormously powerful experience. And I would argue, if people viewed what we did on the podcasting side differently from those other things, you're kind of missing the point, right? Like, if you are doing a radio show, you ought to be doing it to connect with people and make a difference for them. If you are writing a book, you are writing a book so that the readers who read your book will care about it. If you are teaching a class, you're teaching a class because you want your students to come out of it hopefully giving a damn about what it is you taught, and more importantly, giving a damn about themselves as thinkers, different kinds and better thinkers after they leave. So, in a way, to me, it's all of a piece. And uh, so when I get feedback that has that sort of positive quality, it is a wonderful, wonderful feeling because it means that you've reached out and made a connection. And it is, even in an age of social media where we can do all of this digitally, there are two human beings on either side of the transom. And you must, I think, at all times remember that, which gets back to what you said about kindness. You also need to remember that you're dealing with human beings and not just ones and zeros. The ones and zeros get me to you, but it doesn't change me or you, right, other than the connection that we made with each other. Um, as far as the negative feedback, I've been fortunate that we don't get a lot of the trolls, we don't get a lot of that stuff anymore, and I think part of that is because we sort of established very early on the kind of community that we're going to try to build. Um, and that is, it's a community that uh, punches up, not down. It's a community that is interested in helping each other. It is a community that we say must work with each other. And on you know a place like Twitch, where it's live streaming, and, you know, and a lot of people have some negative things to say about certain Twitch communities, not mine. I have a tremendous channel of people. Um, and that group of viewers is because from the very beginning I said, this is who I am, these are the games I play, these are the things I love about storytelling, I would like you to do this with me. And that communal experience is an enormously powerful thing for them also. And I think on the very rare occasion someone then lashes out, everyone else is so sort of appalled, you know, in that group that it very quickly goes away. Um, I don't have to tell them, you stop, you know, doing this thing. Um, same thing with the podcast for Speculate. We really don't get the sort of, this is a, you know, you were a horrible human being. We will get suggestions about, I, I think I disagree with your point about this and what about this and that is part of the human experience that is wonderful and awesome. Um, but the people who really are interested in lashing out, those people hang out with other people who like to lash out and, and that hopefully is not me. That's a hard one to follow. That was very cool. Mm -hmm. um, I appreciate it. I would, like what Mike says, anybody, anytime someone takes a moment out of their day to email you thoughts, I would prefer them not to be super negative, <laughs> but you know, if they're you know, constructive criticism uh, or positive feedback of some kind, that's, it's a busy, we're all busy people. Um, and you can shoot off like 140 character you know, tweets and little comments on Facebook pretty quickly. So I still email today's letter writing. I get an email that's not a, a, you know, a press release or junk mail and I'm like, oh, it's a personal email. And they're, you know, it's a nice, it's a nice interaction. So the positive feedback is obviously a little easier to deal with um, or completely easy to deal with. And it helps you, I don't put as much time into creating, I, I just show up and record. 
uh, Mike, Brian, and Bobby will do. Uh, usually, Mike does the you know the the hard work, um, editing and putting on it. You know all those things. I have no idea how to do. So I like when we get feedback and post, you know anything because you're putting time into it, some measure of time. Some of you more than others. And it's nice to know people are listening and getting, you know, they're feeling engaged uh, to the point where they want to contact you and tell you how you're doing. So, and the negative feedback, we fortunately don't get a ton of. And the same with your community there, we barely don't really have trolls. If we get any kind of negative feedback, it's usually along the, usually along the constructive. Or into Bobby. Or into Bobby, that's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but we don't have tolerance. Like if, if somebody, I think we've had a couple times maybe where people have caused trouble on our Facebook page and we don't need that, so we yeah. just ban them. Because, <laughs> you know, if you're just being negative and rude, nobody nobody needs that. So Yeah, yeah and I, I also, I'm not Mother Teresa or any saint by any means. I love getting positive feedback because I like hearing that people like what I do. Um, I'll be perfectly honest with you, I like that. I like that people reach out. So it's not like I do all this for everyone. No, in a way, I, I, like, I like hearing people like what I do too, so. My favorite emails, to be honest, are the ones, or not even just emails, people come up to me at cons all the time and uh, they say, you know, Brian, uh, you've changed my mind about the prequels. And specifically Jar Jar. <laughs> and those are my favorites. A terrible, terrible thing. And that one done. time was amazing. No, it happens all the time. I, you wait, know this. Wait, I know. I think that's going to be in your epitaph. Is yeah, like Brian he Young. Turned, he turned me around. Jar Jar, Jar, Jar. Savior. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to open this up to audience questions. I'm not sure exactly what you guys want us to talk about at all. But you, right here. Sorry. I work as an educator for an after-school program with blogging and podcasting. And I'm trying to get them more into podcasting, so this is more of a nuts and bolts question. We currently use GarageBand, and I just want to know if there's any other software that you would recommend using, preferably on the cheap side, by cheap I mean free. Yeah. But just anything you would recommend me looking into that might make the experience more fun. So Audacity. I'm recording on Audacity right now. Yep. It's free. It's wonderful. They have different, if you want Audacity's page, do a search for Audacity. They have plenty of filters and um, even one, um, it's a um, one I run a lot for our shows when Amy was having problems, a compressor dynamics thing. Look up on Google compressor dynamics and you'll find a page where a guy built this and then I guess he died and then his friends put this page up because this compressor thing works really great and it's for you know his memory. Um, you can use that after everything's recorded and it will give everybody the same levels. So if I talk really loud or this young lady over here talks really soft, it'll bring everybody together. So free Audacity, Mac and PC uh, works really well. Um, did you go a little bit further than that for everybody else? Um, some people like to record in multiple tracks in Pro Tools or GarageBand or, um, there's a couple, what do you use? If you record on Skype, um, one of the things you can do that I recommend is a program called uh, Talk Helper Free Call Recorder. <laughs> Um, yeah, talk helper free call recorder uh, and um, it's a little misleading because it's not necessarily free so I'll warn you that up front because there's a there's like a trial sort of license key. but it's in the title but uh, I know I know <laughs> <laughs> and I've given them feedback Brian no um, so but the, the thing that's great about it and there are other programs like this power grandma and other ones but the reason it's a good program is because it records um, guests on different tracks which is enormously important um, we now have enough we have a patreon for speculate and we now have enough that we pay 
an audio editor, thank God. Um, so the audio editor actually <laughs> covers this now. But I did this for years, where I was editing these things and putting them together. And the benefit of having the separate tracks is that you will often have guests who do not have the same commitment to audio fidelity you have. We have, I swear to God this is true, I won't mention a name, but about a month ago we did um, a, a couple of recordings with people, and one of the people sounded like they were recording from inside a bathroom stall. Not just, I mean, the bathroom, in the stall. Like, there was a, there was a flushing sound. <laughs> like, I mean, really? They're just in the midst of it, and all of a sudden they're like, you know what, let me, let me go to the bathroom and then continue the interview. I don't, I don't, you know, we could, we could do this later. I mean, I don't want to bother you. Um, so, Greg, in my defense, the acoustics were broken. Yeah, no, it wasn't Aaron. Uh, but, I mean, it was, it was, yeah, good. anyway. So, you want to have these things on different tracks, um, and so it's very helpful to do that. Um, the other thing I'll say is that um, although there are other alternative methods, there's Google Hangouts and there's other things like that, I still, I hate to admit it, but I still think Skype is probably the best option and the reason is it's ubiquitous among the people that you're speaking to, right? Almost everybody has heard of or can get to or have access to Skype. Um, and that makes it a lot easier for you to be able to get to these people remotely because if you're running an after school program, you'd like people to come in and do a recording there, but truthfully, especially for your students, you may want them to be able to reach out to people that can't just get to New York City. And you know, internationally, you want to be able to reach them too. And I've done recordings of people in Glasgow, in, uh, in Sydney, Australia, right? I've, I've done these things and coordinated them all together and it works because of something like Skype. So Skype also, by the way, maintains audio fidelity reasonably well and yeah. that gets back to what yeah. we said about the fidelity question. So Audacity is good for all the local recording stuff, I agree, but for Skype, um, there are those separate programs I mentioned that help. The, the, the other thing with Skype is, I don't think Skype or podcasting would be as popular if they were as they are, if not for each other. Yeah, I agree with that. If it's, it's next to impossible to get yep. some podcasting without that. Yep. One other thing, real quick, because it's for the after-school program, when you're downloading Audacity, there's a thing called a lame MP3 encoder. Download that, too, because you won't export it as a big WAV file that might be 100 megs. It will only be something like you know 20. That would help with yep. size and everything. Yep. Okay, next question. Let's go here, and then we'll come over here. So you, sir. Two very quick ones. So at first, you guys discussed how in, in 2005 it was the wild west of podcasting, and here we have a question for instance of you know these um, tips and tricks, right? We know of things like Audacity to podcast. What other resources do you recommend? Because it's still very segmented on how to learn to podcast. It, you know, it's kind of hard to find everything localized. Uh, and then the second question is back about uh, community feedback. Is you know you talked about replying to as many of your fans and listeners as possible. What else do you do to engage your community and engage a dialogue with them? You guys want to start over here? I, from the technical standpoint, I'm not sure how much Tracy and I are the experts because we are lucky enough to be part of a big group and we have a, a master producer who does all that for us. Well, uh, you recommended that book or two. Uh, yeah, so This American Life has Google This American Life, they have a page that's about how to make radio. And some of it is aimed for school programs and things like that, which might be really helpful for you. Um, and then there's one thing that's specifically a $2 comic book called How to Make Radio that sort of tells the story of how This American Life became a thing. It talks about the structure of their shows, how they approach their shows from a narrative standpoint. If you want to make a show that in some way sounds like This American Life, which a lot of people seem to want to do right now, that is going to literally tell you how to do it. Uh, our show does not sound like This American Life, but even having read that book, 
there was a lot that I take away from it in, in terms of like how to approach subject matter and, and how to structure stories so that they made sense when people heard them. Um, so it is literally $2. It is worth way more money than that. Uh, but yeah, since we have a producer named Noel who does amazing work for us and makes us sound like we are not literally messing up every two seconds, uh, <laughs> a lot of the technical stuff is beyond our brains. Yeah. I, on the technical <laughs> side, like, is there any resource, uh, like, because like, like I said earlier, when I wanted to start a podcast, I was like, hey, Mike, you do all this stuff. Like, is there any resource online that you guys are aware of that will kind of help put those technical pieces together? And so I, I wanted to add also the business of podcasting too, maybe even not just technical, but the business as well. <laughs> oh, we yeah. yeah, you should talk about the business. I, yeah, I'm not a business, I'm not a big business man. Um, <laughs> the, um, the Google and YouTube on how to learn how to podcast, there's amazing things on there. Everybody wants to show you how to do something. There's a lot of a lot of videos on YouTube and a lot of uh, things that you cannot find on how to do podcasting. There's um, also a free service called TalkShoe that I know some people do use, and I actually use it as a backup for um, Full Sith in case our feed on Live Sinever goes down. Uh, TalkShoe is free. It's always there. It always works great. I, I uh, off a show, obviously Oblivious, another show I did. I always use TalkShoe, and they also they have little classes. Sometimes where they, uh, you're nodding, so yeah. So they, talk shoots are a great, great resource for that. Um, and, and a couple of the other podcast places that'll do that. I just wanna, you also asked, there was another part of the question, how do I reach yeah, the communication? Um, social media, of course, but we started before there really was big social media. Um, one of the ways I found um, to connect with the audience was Xbox Live, playing video games with people. Um, I like playing video games and then I found out that I'm playing video games with listeners and we have fun and we talk about the show and we talk about all these things. So I do that and then we try to have listener parties from time to time and um, again, I, the people that listen to the show, I look, I look at them as friends. I get to know them over the years and they become friends. I respond to uh, posts that they put up on Facebook about their kids or them putting together a new cosplay outfit or so I just communicate with them in social media and Xbox Live, and and sometimes they come see me and they hang out at my house one night. So that happens too. That's um that Twitch TV is exactly what you just described yeah. actually. Um and I would I would say that one of the things that's um been really helpful for me is to try to unite different parts of my own fan bases, my reading fan base. Obviously, the, the Twitch TV base with Speculate, and so we've been working on trying to develop a couple of uh, joint um, appearances, if you will, where you're going to have people. And this was partly possible because there's so much interest now in story and narrative in games, and a lot of sort of so-called traditional writers that have moved over into writing games and vice versa. So, uh, I, you know, we're trying to look at doing a couple of joint streams where we'll actually be recording a podcast, but at the same time showing up on Twitch. And that group of people, which knows that I love story and narrative because it's who I am, those people are more likely to go back into then and listen to speculate. So part of one, so one of the things you can do to engage your community is to link that community to others that can create sort of a larger base. Um, obviously, having uh, contact availability on your website, asking for you know having specific viewer shows where you encourage um, feedback, people to suggest. We've had several uh, listeners you know suggest books that they like us to cover that we do a triptych of shows on um, on writing techniques and and aspects of the show and 
in an interview with the author. And because we know a lot of these folks, because we are on panels with them and they're, they're our peers, we often can get them for interviews. Um, and so that's also helpful as well, being able to sort of get viewers to specifically make suggestions about shows they'd like to have you do, and assuming they're appropriate and reasonable, we can do that. But that and I think uniting those fan bases, I think sometimes there's a tendency to too much compartmentalize and put too many walls in between the things that you do. And as I said before in my previous comment, that's a mistake. You know, we're all doing roughly the same thing, but it's also practically a mistake because from a business point of view, you want crossover. You want people who come to something for you in part, and so they will come back to you whether you're doing it in podcasting and writing and these other things. It's not to say that they're all the exact same medium, but you are the constant, right? And so being able to bring people to you is also helpful. So that's one of the things that we're trying to do as well to develop the business side. I need to get better at that. I have people come up to me and say, like, Brian, I didn't realize you wrote books. And it's like, I mentioned it on the podcast once or twice. And like this. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, they're books. They're books. They're good. No, I need to get better at that, too. Like, I think there's all stuff we can learn. I'm learning now. From Anybody else want to feel that part of the question? Uh, to add one thing, Holly and I haven't done this largely because we don't record from the same place most of the time anymore. But some of the other House Stuff Works podcasts have lately been playing around with Periscope to try to interact directly with people in their audience and have really been having a good time with it. And I've heard that they are enjoying it and seem to be building a community that way also. Yeah, are you watching? No. I watch, I watch Ben and Matt every week at, on Friday. That's I'm socially awesome. teleworking that day, and so I do it while I telework. Uh, yeah, that's a super great one. I feel like we should maybe talk about ads. Yeah. A little bit. A little. And this is like a weird time in terms of podcasting and ads because a lot of advertisers have realized, hey, there's this super awesome thing going on and a lot of people are engaging with it and, whoa, we could be putting our words into their ears. And there's an intimacy about podcasting where you're usually listening on headphones. So there's a, a really weird immediate connection that I think advertisers are really turned on by. But, I mean, we get complaints certainly about having ads in our podcasts. Um, and as I think more and more podcasts are going to start getting approached, there are a lot of companies that now are aggregators where they are going to a lot of, um, they're basically like the middleman. They go to a lot of big companies that want ads on podcasts. They put packages together and then they go find five to ten smaller podcasts and they go, hey, we can do placements with you. And so they're doing connections like that. In terms of how that all works, with you and your audience, that is super duper tricky. We're lucky that we're in a position where we get a yay or nay on, on advertisers, I think all the time. I, there may have been a couple we inherited that we didn't have much say in, but they weren't objectionable. Um, but it is really tricky. You have to be sure that it's something you're comfortable with because if you have ever heard someone read an ad that they are not they're not comfortable with or they don't really know what this product is, <laughs> I mean, it, one, it takes you out of the whole moment of the podcast even more than just, hey, we're having an ad now. And two, you almost feel like awkward and sorry for them, which is not what an advertiser <laughs> wants you to associate with their product. Like, oh, I think about pity when I think about this. <laughs> how you want to do it. So I think for anybody that's starting out and as you know, people do podcasts and you start getting approached, that's something I think everybody needs to keep in mind. It's like really be careful about what sponsors you agree to um, and it's hard especially if you're struggling to say no but in the long run it will hurt you more than help you if you are 
really true to yourself and have some integrity about it. Say yes to the wrong one. It comes off super weird. I mean, the audience hears it. It's it's like when you smell bad food and you make that face. Like you're. It's but, but what's really great is that people are there. There are these companies popping up that are connecting people with the podcast, and they are getting really good. Um, advertising that it goes along with what they're doing or what their 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 values are. That back years ago, there was only one person that would would advertise with podcasts, and it was AdamandEve.com. And every podcast had either that one Adam and Eve uh, audio uh, commercial, or people sat there and talked about Adam and Eve. AdamandEve.com. Yeah. Yes, I uh, I want to tell you about the. Uh, that, that said, my favorite ad play placement on any podcast ever was when ExtremeRestraints.com was uh, sponsoring My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is a comedy <laughs> advice show by three brothers. And they made their sponsorship into a bit every time. And it was so fantastic that everybody was sad when that sponsorship ended. They were like, can you get ExtremeRestraints.com to like sponsor your show again? So we've got question here first. Okay, uh, my name is Jennifer. I run the Mass Invasion podcast. I uh, want to know what it looks, basically, how long did it take before you started seeing some good, like, audio ship for your podcast? And also, what have been the most successful campaigns? Not necessarily, like, intentional campaigns, but in regards to the acts that you've done that have helped um, build your audio ship. Real quick, be you and your your listeners are going to just tell everybody. I think I think as far as Star Wars podcasts, we were in a really odd place that the biggest Star Wars podcast that was out there um, went away for like the four months that we started. So and because um, I write for a lot of the Star Wars outlets, um, like we just had people flock because there was a giant vacuum there and then people stayed. Um, so so for us, I think that was probably... We were lucky with that, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I don't know, anybody else? Yeah, we kind of, we, in terms of stuff you missed in history class, we, we basically inherited an audience. And I would say it took about three months to feel like it was our show and not the show we had commandeered. <laughs> um, but previously, when we were on our old show, Pop Stuff, uh, like when you look at our downloads, because that show was consistent for a while and it stopped, it looks like a kitty cat. It goes up, it has two little peaks, and then it goes down after we went out of production. And so it was like four or five months until it got to the, the level that it kind of stayed roughly at for a while, and then we stopped. Uh, but a lot of that, to be honest, came because we were part of the House Networks network. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of really great podcasting networks that help each other out and support each other's shows um, and I think that is a hugely beneficial thing especially for independent shows to like yeah, team up even if it's not the same subject matter like team up with like-minded people who enjoy working together and like each other have crossover uh, shows yeah have crossover mm -hmm. shows support each other um, but like I there's just been great work coming out of things that people are working together to support each other and to lift all those shows up well, like, uh, we've had Holly on Full of Sith twice, and we'd have Tracy on, too, if she showed any enough interest in Star Wars that she wanted. I have seen them all. Um, but no, we'd be happy to have Tracy on. Um, but I'm going to be on their show tomorrow. Yeah. And it, it's, like, it doesn't have anything to do with Star Wars. No. But it's it's that crossover thing, and Full of Sith has done a whole bunch of crossovers with a lot of Star Wars shows just to help share the audience. I mean, the thing with, with Star Wars is... Star 
I think one of the defi defining things about Star Wars is uh, it is a community, and so you know we're not stingy with sharing that community with everybody out there. Like I don't think there's competition among the podcasts um, in the Star Wars community the way you might find elsewhere. I don't know, Greg. Do you have any? No, the sharing. I agree with the sharing in the audience. We did recently a um, a joint podcast with the Functional Nerds and uh, with the Once and Future podcast that Anton Strout runs, um, and that's a similar thing, both in our genre and both things that we could sort of you know discuss things with each other and sort of share audiences in that way. Um, and I think the other thing I would say too is understanding your audience also means understanding where the support will come from. So I'll tell you two quick stories. The first is um, we ran a, a Kickstarter to speculate which failed terribly. Um, it was a disastrous fail. Um, and uh, we then ran a Patreon which has been a success. And I think the reason that it's a success is because we were constructing a show that was going to be producing three to four shows somewhere in there a month. And the Kickstarter didn't quite fit with that model, right? Kickstarter was a process, a product-oriented thing. We would produce something, and then, you know, that's it, and it's out there, and, you know, that's all. That's not what we were doing. We were regularly producing stuff, right? So we couldn't run a thousand Kickstarters. Um, it made much more sense for people to be supporting us on a per-month basis um, based upon the work that we were doing. We could also have done a per-episode basis as well. But the point is that there you had support that could come directly from listeners and from people to support what we did, and it's because of that Patreon that we were able to afford to get uh, the audio editor. We don't run ads on our show yet, and it's partly because sort of being careful about when you're reviewing, you know, when you're talking to a lot of people about books that they write, you have to be careful then about people that you bring on. You know, if we start advertising tour and we're doing a lot of time spending time with authors from Daw and Del Rey, and then we're like, that's great, I'm really glad this is happening. Now from tour, you know, like everyone's like, oh God. Um, you know, so, so, or vice versa. So, uh, so we will eventually probably move in that direction also. But in the meantime, going to our audience for that support has been really helpful. And I think, again, it was an understanding of audience. Kickstarter wasn't right for that because it was just an ongoing thing. And also they thought, well, we got this for free before. Why don't we get it for free now? Um, whereas uh, the Patreon gave us a chance to, on an ongoing basis, demonstrate that support and also to give them some content they might not otherwise get. So we run a segment called the Good, Bad, and Ugly segment where people will talk about individual moments, like Jim Butcher talking about trying to get to his agent um, and trying to repair a tire on a snow-covered road when he was already way late to the airport to go to the agent. It's a great story, and you won't hear it unless you get our Patreon. Um, and that's really cool because it gives people extra content. It's not that we're taking away stuff from people who are already there, but we're giving them more if they're able to contribute. So um, the Patreon worked for us, and it was a matter of knowing the audience in that regard. So it seems like we're just about out of time, sadly, and it's because we have a panel full of podcasters who all really <laughs> like to talk. Um, and I don't think that's an understatement at all. So uh, before we leave, I'd like everybody to kind of... Uh, final thoughts uh, and let people know where they can find you after we all leave this room and whatnot. Anyone? Anyone want to start? Where can they find you guys online? Uh, we are at mistinhistory.com. Our Facebook is facebook.com slash mistinhistory. You listen to our show, you first do this a bunch of times. But like mistinhistory.com is the place to start and our podcast is also on iTunes. Okay. <laughs> it's all listed there in I just got done telling everybody how much you all liked talking. I know. Well, it's because I feel awkward rattling off the thing I rattle off at the end of every episode. Yeah. A friend of mine will sometimes just message me on Facebook and she'll be like, and you can find us at Facebook.com and Twitter at Missed in History. We also had a lady who told us that their her like children, they're homeschooled. This is the best story. It's, it's, 
I know I'm derailing things. So her, her children are homeschooled and they listen to the podcast as part of their history education. And that she'll hear them in the backyard saying things like, and now from naturebox.com. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what the kids with the commercials, how they really start singing commercials and doing all that yeah, stuff. They, she yeah. also said they had a moment where they were like in the middle of chatting and they said, wouldn't this be great for a sponsor break? <laughs> 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 this is not what we wanted. Alright. So, so some kind of game they play about stamps.com, but they don't seem to quite understand how the post office operates. <laughs> it, was, it was a great email. It was the best email we've ever gotten about ads. Well, you can find us at Fullsith.com or on Facebook, Fullsith at Twitter at Fullsith. Um, Brian Fiction.com. Brian writes books. See, Mike does it on the show. Yeah, I, I do. Amy does amazing things too. Um, you can give them all your stuff. I'm not gonna do it. Um, <laughs> if you want to find anything that I've done, themike.com or mikepilot.com. Uh, both the same place. There's an XML file of every show I've ever done, every interview I've ever done. Uh, you can see Awful Show, Mediocre Show, obviously Oblivious, Full of Sith, and pretty much everything. So everything's there. So if you're interested, please. You're to- we're talking, um, yeah, hundreds of thousands of hours of content. So. Uh, you can find our podcast at speculatesf.com. Uh, you can find the MEP report that I do at themepreport.com. I also have cards up here that I can give out if people want to contact me afterwards. Um, and uh, I'll say very quickly that I have a graphic novel called Icarus coming out in a couple of months and the three-book series next year um, from the Ed Greenwood Group. So you can find out all about that at my website, which is gregoryawilson.com. See, I forgot to pitch my books. <laughs> also, Brian writes books. Brianfiction.com. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as Mike said, fullofsith.com, you can find me on Twitter. I use it a lot, Amy underscore geek, and I write for nerdist.com and starwars.com. And Brian writes books. Brian writes books. <laughs> I write books. Okay, thank you very Thanks. much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you very much.